morning. How are y'all doing this morning? My name is Alex Fisher. I'm the interim pastor of Ethan College here at First Baptist. And first, if you're a visitor here, our guest with us today, uh, first, thank you so much for coming. Um, in the pew in front of you, there should be a blue card. If you could fill that out with some basic information so we can thank you for coming, that would be awesome. And then on the back of that blue card, there's actually a place to put prayer requests. And so as the offering plate goes by here in just a bit, you can drop those blue cards in there and they will get to the staff. Now, how many of you have your chronicles with you? Why don't you hold that up for me? Okay, yes, you know, I don't know if you know this, there's a lot of really good information in there, <laughs> and it's, it's some really good stuff that you should read, but I've got some announcements for you. So the first one is tonight we will have our annual Christmas program called Noel. It starts at 6 p.m. Our music ministry will be leading us in a time of worship centered around Christ's birth um, and the work he did on the cross, and then following the Christmas program, we're going to be having a fellowship downstairs in the FLC and the fellowship hall called The Gathering, A Taste of Christmas. There's going to be tons of finger food and fellowship and fun, so make sure and bring all your friends and neighbors tonight, and if you can, bring a finger food to The Gathering this evening. Secondly, um, our Christmas Eve service on December 24th, surprise, um, will be happening at 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock, and so the child care will be provided at both times. This is a great time to come and just worship with your family, and we'll, of course, be having the candlelight portion of that as well. And then lastly... Uh, this month for Pray, Give, Go, we are highlighting the International Mission Board and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, the IMB works to plant churches and spread the gospel around the world in hard-to-reach places. And our goal as a church this month is $61,930, which is the cost for one missionary to be on the field for one year. So I just encourage you to take some time and pray about how God might be calling you to sacrificially give uh, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But for right now, why don't we all stand up and greet those that are around us. Thank you. You may be seated now this morning. Glad to have you all here. Um, as we start the service off this morning, we start off, um, well, we already started, but we're going to be continuing on with our season of Advent. This is the second Sunday of Advent, so listen as we have our reading. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Please pray with me. Father Christ, please, I beg of thee, let your joy rain down upon us so that we may serve you in the greatest capacity that we possibly can. May we seek after nothing but you and you alone because you are the giver of all things and all good. May we do this for the glory of your kingdom and to spread your name to all corners and to every nation. It is in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would go ahead and stand. 
this morning. We've already been blessed by the sound of the harps and the organ playing, O come all ye faithful. Now we get to join in as those voices and sing that carol. So let's sing together, O come all ye faithful.
Lord Jesus, just as those last two songs call us to come and to worship you, this morning as we gather as your body, we come before you, our maker, our creator, our savior, and worship you. And Lord, we know that you came as a baby in a manger. Um, and, and Lord, as this next song contemplates uh, the, the phrase of what child is this, we know the answer that you are Christ the King. So this morning as we sing, may we reflect on that, Lord, and may that drive home to our hearts that you came to dwell with us. You were Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue on in song.
pray again. Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came and you willingly laid down your life knowing what you would have to face, the pain, the agony, and the shame of the cross. You still came on that blessed night. Lord, on that night that, that most of Israel missed you. Uh, but Lord, there were, there were shepherds, there were, there were wise men uh, that knew of your coming. And Lord, we know today that you came and you dwelt among us. And I thank you for it. Lord, speak to our hearts as the choir sings now and as Scott comes to uh, preach in a moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated.
Amen. Thank you to the choir and orchestra, and looking forward to tonight coming back and and hearing our choir and orchestra present to us Noel. So you'll have to be back tonight and invite your friends and and family members and join us tonight for a very special evening. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter one, verse twenty-six will be our the beginning of our text today as we look into God's Word and uh, answer a few questions during this Christmas season. Last week we looked at a guy's by the, a guy by the name of Joseph, just a an ordinary carpenter guy, and and I looked into his life and noticed that uh, Joseph had a plan for his life, uh, just uh, living life, plan on getting married to Mary, and and uh, going about his carpenter style life. A man who could put his hands to wood and stone, and and it was very very physical in nature, very uh, very relevant. It, it things he could touch, see, and feel is what he worked with. But God approached Joseph in a dream and spoke into his life a reality that would come. And, and Joseph, a man of wood and stone, became, became a man of dream and destiny. And he really surrendered his life to the will of God, regardless of what the world would think. Uh, he knew that God had called him, and he, just an ordinary guy, lived for the glory of Jesus as uh, the son that he would, uh, that he would be the stepfather to and, and be able to be a part of his life. Uh, it must have been a very confusing but yet exciting time for Joseph. But we looked into the ordinary aspect of his life and, and how God did an extraordinary thing through him. And today we're going to look into, uh, that, that being my, uh, Matthew's account about Joseph, we look into Luke's account today about Mary. And I think it just uh, is something we have to kind of look at from the very, for, uh, very front side of this text to say, Luke, Luke was a physician. Luke was a guy who, he understood the anatomy of the human body. He understood biology. He understood what was going on here. And, and he speaks in his account after he's searched very, very carefully the understanding of what he needs to present. He, he writes his account, the, the, the Gospel of Luke, and he presents to us two stories from the very beginning, we see that Zacharias and, and Elizabeth, they're very late in their age. And uh, God took a, a barren womb and he, he breathed life into it. And Elizabeth brought forth a son named John, John the Baptist. And what a blessing that was. And, and Luke being a physician, he had to look at that and say, you know, they were well in their age. And uh, God did something very neat in their life. He took ordinary people. He did something very extraordinary in their life. And then he moved to Mary, and he, he lays Mary's life out before you. And he claims, as, as we understand all of Scripture, to prophesy to, but he says she is a virgin and she is with child. So he talks about how God takes an ordinary man, Zacharias, and an ordinary woman, Elizabeth, and he does something pretty neat in their life. But then he moves to Mary, who he does something miraculous in her life. And, and today I want to look at... At, at Mary's life and, and draw some, some conclusions and some understandings that I hope you'll, uh, you'll look at your life and, and you'll see some similarities uh, of your life and Mary and, and how you're responding to God's call on your life and, and how Zacharias responded to God's call on his life. So we'll do that together. If you will stand with me, let's begin by reading Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Luke says in his gospel, Now it is the sixth month 
The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for the very privilege to be in your presence this morning. Thank you for your word, God. I know that it never returns void, God, that it touches our lives and our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we will have open hearts this morning as we we sit before you and uh, your word. I pray, God, that you will touch us. Uh, You will change us, transform us. Lord, do the work in us that needs to be done this morning. God, I pray none of us would leave here the same that we came. But, Lord, we'd be encouraged. We'd be strengthened. We'd be drawn closer in relationship to you. Father, I know that you've appointed this time for us, and I'm grateful that you have. And, God, out of your great love, I pray that you would anoint me with the power to speak your word to the people you love that would bring about all that you would have in our lives today. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So we see here in this text that um, Mary had an encounter with an angel. And uh, it was a very special encounter. The timing in which she uh, was encountered by the angel, Gabriel, was uh, noted as the sixth month. The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. In that time, uh, the, the angel Gabriel came and met Mary. And, and Gabriel always shows up with a, with a big announcement, okay? And he brought a big announcement to Mary. And, and she's sitting there, she's, she's uh, engaged to Joseph, and, and we, we understand that engagement. Let me just re- recapture that a little bit in our hearts and minds this morning. She's engaged, that means that she is legally bound to marry Joseph in about a year from the time of the engagement beginning to the time of the wedding. Not sure exactly how long that will be, but somewhere around that time frame. And traditionally speaking, she would stay with her mother and father during that time in their house. And it would kind of be a time of proving her purity and her her focus on the wedding and and the time that that she would be married to her future husband. And if any time during that process um, the wife wife to be became pregnant, then the husband could annul the marriage and by divorce walk away from the situation. 
So, so Mary's going to have uh, this, this news come to her. She's, she's doing whatever she did on that day, and, and Scripture doesn't tell us. It, it did tell us about Zacharias. If we go back and read, beginning in verse 1, we see that Zacharias was a priest, and it was his time to go and do the, the, the service there at the, uh, I just lost the word. Yeah, the temple, thank you. It's a simple word. <laughs> But it just went away. Yeah, so he was in the temple. He was doing the work that he would do. And, and uh, he was meeting in a place where he would anticipate to meet with God. And, and Mary was just in a kind of a humble place. Uh, we know that she was in Nazareth. We, we don't know whether she was in her mother and father's house or not. But I think it would be a good assumption to say that she was probably there just going about her day, doing her daily uh, cleaning or, or cooking or whatever she would do in that day. But she was just going about her day when in comes Gabriel. And now Gabriel has to tell her in this time, he, he has to tell her, don't be afraid. It's probably pretty frightening to be in the presence of an angel. When, when, when something that you've not known or not been in the presence of before enters into the room, that would grab your attention, for, first of all. But also, it could be frightening. So uh, Gabriel says, don't be afraid. So she's engaged, she's, she's planning on being married uh, within the year, and uh, she's a virgin, and she's kept herself a virgin. She knows she's a virgin, God knows she's a virgin, the rest of the world doesn't know that, but she knows that, and God knows that. And it was very important to her marriage that she was a virgin, it was very important to her as a person, for her own purity, that she was a virgin, but it was also very important to Scripture and to the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the virgin would be with child. So it was important at many levels that she be a virgin. I want you to understand, though, in, in, in grasping this about Mary, because I want us to be able to recognize something this morning. There's, there's been, through the years uh, of, of church history, there have been certain groups of people that have put a little more importance on Mary than, than probably should have been. In fact, there have been those that have, have considered Mary to be sinless in her life, that she never sinned, that she was this perfect girl. Um, but I want you to recognize Scripture says in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. With the exception of, not, not doesn't say this in Romans 3, but we have the exception knowing that Jesus was the sinless Son of God. That Jesus, being the one who had never sinned, went to the cross for all of us who had sinned. So Jesus is the only one that's called out as being in sinless perfection. Mary's not, it's not claimed of Mary that she has lived in sinless perfection. But in our, in our minds and hearts, we, we may want to elevate Mary above uh, what Mary uh, was in her own life. And, and you say, Scott, why do you do that? Why would you say that Mary was not this, this why wouldn't you build her up? Why would, you, why would you try to bring her down? I want you to understand something. I don't get any other point across this morning to us. Mary was an ordinary girl. And God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. What happens is the ordinary, you and I are ordinary. There are a few of you in this room that are extraordinary, and you know who you are. But the rest of us, we're, we're pretty ordinary, okay? And, and God uses, he uses ordinary people because he's an extraordinary God. And when he comes into the life of a person, he makes a difference. 
And, and in the way that God does, as only God can, He does an extraordinary work through ordinary people. We look back through the, the histories of the Bible and we think about people. Moses. Was Moses uh, perfect? Absolutely not. We know enough of Moses' life to know that Moses was not a perfect man. But Moses, he, he accomplished some extraordinary stuff because God was in his life. Noah. Was Noah perfect? No. He was an ordinary guy. He built a boat. But God used him in an extraordinary way. If you just go back, we could take time. We could look at David. Uh, David was an ordinary guy tending sheep and, and, and in a pasture. And, and God looked over the other brothers that were better looking and, and taller. And, you know, and, and he didn't raise them up. He went and got David, an ordinary guy. Paul. Paul was an ordinary guy. He was a little more extraordinary, yes, in his position uh, among the, the first century. But you, you look at Paul, he was a pretty ordinary guy. God did something very extraordinary in his life, changed his direction. God does that in our lives. He takes ordinary people. I don't want us to miss the point that, yes, because I'm ordinary, yes, because I've struggled in life, yes, because I've, I've had these things happen to me, I, I could never be used of God. I, I want you to understand this morning God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So Mary's just an ordinary girl. She's from Nazareth. She's not from some special place. In fact, uh, the Jewish girls that could have been chosen that would have lived in better places were plentiful. But God chose a, a woman from Nazareth. And, and John tells us what good can come from Nazareth, right? They didn't expect anything good to come from Nazareth. And God sometimes does things we don't expect. Would you agree with me this morning? So we see that she's an ordinary girl. She, she's uh, living an ordinary life. She's from Nazareth, and, and, and she's just going about her day. She maybe whatever she's doing, it's just she's not in the place like Zacharias was in the in the temple doing service unto God, expecting to meet with God, or, or anticipating should be anticipating to meet with God. She's just doing her her life. You know, she's just living life, waiting to get married. The Scripture tells us here. In verse 27, that she was a virgin, that she was engaged. Verse 28 says, as, as Gabriel comes in, he says, coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She, she's, she's favored. You say, well, there you go. She's favored. Can I tell you this? Every person who has experienced the grace of God is favored. I'm favored because of the grace of God. Not by what I've done or what I've accomplished in life, but I'm favored because I have a, a Father in heaven who loves me and redeemed me. I'm favored. I have that. And guess what? Every single person that was ever created by God, and we've all been, Psalm 139 tells us that God intricately designed us. He, he wove us in our mother's womb before our mother and father even knew about that. He, he, had, he had that work done before anybody else knew and he called us to himself into a relationship a loving relationship god wants a relationship with you god wants a relationship with me he's invited us into a personal intimate relationship and and the only way that that we in our sinful state because we've all sinned can live in the presence of a holy god is because of the righteousness of christ and what he's done his sacrifice 
He, he clothes us with his righteousness, not ours. So by that, by the grace of God, when we accept the work of God on the cross at Calvary, we, we yield our life and surrender ourselves to him in our imperfect self. We, we lay it before Jesus and surrender our life to him. God does a work in us to change and transform us and bring us into right standing by what Christ has done, his blood on the cross. So we, we're favored as, as we're favored because the God of all creation didn't look down on us and say, I'm done with you. You failed. You missed the mark. You're no good to me. Be gone. God looked upon us and said, yeah, you're broken, and I'm going to fix you. You've sinned. I'm going to redeem you. You've got a sin debt you can't pay. I'm going to pay it for you. I love you. I created you, I love you, and I bring you. So here, Mary, she's, she's favored. Yeah, she's favored. She's favored by God. She's living her life as a Jewish girl, desiring to follow and pursue God. We, we can tell that if, if we just continue to read, if we were to read verse 46 through 56, we would see that Mary well knew Scripture. Mary had lived her life in purity, and Mary was a woman who was obedient. So we see those things as we continue to read in Scripture. The more we learn about Mary, we recognize that she was a a person, a woman who was seeking God. And God favored her because she was seeking Him. So she, she was highly favored, but she wasn't sinless. So we, we could we could easily think that because she was favored, that that points out some kind of superiority in her life. And and okay, well that's Mary Scott. That's not me. My life's different than Mary's. I, I've been on a different road. I've had a harder time. My life struggled. We don't know of the struggles of Mary's life, but we do know that Mary struggled in life. Mary was not. A sinless girl. But Mary was God's girl because she had yielded her life to God. And every person in this room can be that person who yields their life to God. And and you know what? We've all got a mess. We've all made them. But God can redeem that. He can change from who we are on the track to be to who he called us to be by us surrendering our life to him. So we see that in Mary's life. She's favored. And, and we see her, her humble estate. Her, we even know she was poor. You say, well, how do you know she was poor? Well, when she went to Bethlehem with Joseph and, and they, they went to give their, pay, give their sacrifice, guess what they gave? Two doves instead of a lamb. The lamb would have been the more expensive. The dove would have been like, if you just can't afford anything else, do, do these two doves. And, and that's, so that's what she gave. So she was a poor, humble, lowly, Jewish girl, but she had a life that was surrendered to Jesus. That, that kind of leveled the field for us all to recognize that, you know what, I don't have to be, I don't have to, it's not that I have to be from this certain, per, this certain lineage or I have to li- have lived this certain way all my life to be accepted by God, but I can just be broken me and he be king in my life. It's a beautiful message of Christmas. We surrender our life to Jesus. By God's grace, He bestowed upon her His favor, and He bestows that favor upon all of us. Being favored isn't always easy, though. Can I tell you? Um, We've got to recognize that Mary's life was favored, yes, but it was not an easy life. You know, Mary would have to endure for nine months, or at least to the point that it became known that she was pregnant. From that moment forward, once that news rattled around the uh, Nazareth Gazette that she would be uh, 
top, talk of the town. And so she had to live under that. And others talked about her. So she had to live under the persecution of her peers. That wasn't easy. She couldn't silence that. We, we know that it took a long time for this to materialize because when Jesus entered his, his public ministry some 30 years later, and, and then he was in that public ministry for about three years. And even in the time of him doing them great miracles and touching people in amazing ways, there were many people, the majority, rejected Jesus even at that and murdered him. So Mary, not only did she have to deal with the peers of the day when she was pregnant and, and giving birth, she couldn't even find a place to have her child that was fitting for having a child. She had a child in a stable, the lowliest place for the king of, of all humanity to enter. But by God's design, that's the way it was. He stepped into our lives, not some of our lives, not the elite of our lives, but all of our lives. Isn't that beautiful? And, and then we see that not only was it not easy from that standpoint, she'd have to watch as the son that she was privileged to give birth to and, and love and nurture and raise and encourage and try to teach, but probably got taught more by him than she taught him. But as, as she walked through life, she would have to watch her son be rejected by numerous people on numerous occasions. She would have to watch her son be brutally beaten and murdered. Being, being favored is not always easy. Having the grace of God on your life is not always easy. Being called out to serve God is not always easy. It's not. And the outcome can take a long time and the burden can be real heavy. But, but the ultimate end, we see that the, that the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was the outcome of Mary being willing to say, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Use me, God. Use me. We see that in our life. And many times in my life and yours, uh, we don't see the end. We, we walk through life. We don't, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't, we don't see the fulfillment of everything that's happening. When we surrender our life to Jesus... We've got to trust Him. See, we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us. We, we don't always know what tomorrow is going to bring, but we know, we know that when we live for Jesus, that He is a good, good Father. Every good gift comes from the Father above. And we know that we can trust our life to Him. And that's where Mary is. She's, she knows that she can trust her life with Him. And, and we're not to the end of this message yet, but we, we recognize because we know the outcome that Mary trusted God. And trusted the process, though it would be very hard and difficult. It's the way she says to, to God, you know, use me. And, and the angel tells her something that's very, very amazing here. He says to her, as, he, as he's getting ready to end this first part, he says, The Lord is with you, verse 28. He said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. You know, we can... We can do amazing things when the Lord is with us, but apart from the Lord in us, it's very impossible for us to do anything for God's glory. So Mary would not be at this alone. She would have God with her. Mary, Mary didn't encounter this in a negative way, in a very positive way she encountered this. We, we see that the angel, when the angel said that to her, we, we see that she, she was, it was explained to her what would happen. She would 
have a child. And, and but verse 29 tells her that she was very, tells us that she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of, what kind of comment was this? You know, what kind of salutation was this? This angel's just come and told me this. That is very perplexing. That, that's worth pondering. I, I don't know where this came from. First of all, she just met an angel. That's got to be a very difficult to grasp and fully engage and, a, and appreciate everything that's going on at the moment. But she hears the statement, and she's like, oh, wow. But Mary received the message. She didn't reject the message. I want you to see what happens in verse 30. It says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Listen to Mary's response. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? So once again, she hears that she's favored, and 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 calm down, don't don't fear. I, I'm I'm an angel. Everything's good. God's God's coming to you to bring a message. And Mary Mary doesn't re- resist the statement. She doesn't resist the call. She she receives it, and as she understands that she'll give birth to a child, uh, the King, <laughs> the long-awaited Messiah, the one that had been prophesied and and had been told that would happen, all of a sudden this is coming out in her life, and it would be, she would name him Jesus, which is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua. And Joshua means Yahweh saves. So we, we know that Joshua was used as an, an instrument of God. as he, he didn't have an easy life, but he led the people, the Israelite people, into the promised land, and, and he delivered them into the promised land. But Jesus... The Messiah would deliver not just in, in a physical location, but would deliver us spiritually into eternity. And, and that was his, his role. So that's why he was called Jesus. And he would rule over the throne of David, as was prophesied, and uh, the house of Jacob forever. And there would be no end to his kingdom, as that was what the angel tells her there. And, and with this announcement, every single aspect of Mary's life changed. Everything in Mary's life changed. Now, this is a newsflash for us. When we hear the call of God on our life, whatever that is, for salvation or for service, everything in our life changes. I think we live in a culture today that would like to have a little bit of Jesus, just enough, and not much change. Can I tell you this? You you cannot have Jesus as Lord of your life and keep your life. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He that wishes to save his life will lose it. He that loses his life for my sake is the one that will find it. So Jesus is calling you, he's calling me to a life of surrender. Lord, here it is. I can't keep my life. I can't hold on to my life. I'll lose it in the end. So, Lord, I'm going to give you my life. And, And Mary gives her life. To God, and, 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 and we're called to give our life to God, completely trusting Him to be the Lord of our life. So uh, that's, that's everything in Mary's life changed, and everything in my life, everything in your life changes when we hear the call of God in our life and heed the call of God in our life. So Mary responded to the angel's call. Despite her obvious limitations, we see here in uh, verse 34, Mary said, How can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, How it would happen? So he explains that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And, and he goes on and says, And even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing, don't miss this, folks, for nothing will be impossible with God. I want you to see how Mary asks this question. She says, how can this be? And she gives a very factual statement. I'm a virgin. Now, Mary's not asking that question out of doubt. Mary's asking that question out of wonder. How can this be? I'm a virgin. She knew she was a virgin. God knew she was a virgin. How can this be? I'm a virgin. <laughs> how is this going to happen? Tell me. It's kind of like, okay, how's this going to happen? Tell me. Tell me. I want to hear. Because at that moment, she did not know whether it would be her and Joseph when they got married and, and they, they, their ceremony was complete. She didn't really know how this would unfold. As you and I, when we walk through life with God, we don't always know. We don't get everything spelled out. But, but thankfully for Mary and thankfully for you and I, we do have some things spelled out here that the Holy Spirit of God would overshadow her, that it would be God who would bring about this child, the holy child. It would not be from Joseph. It wouldn't be from another man. It would be from God. So she, she gets that, and, and she asks, how can this be? It's not a question of doubt. It's a question of information. Uh, help, me, help me see what I need to see. And, uh, and she asks, she, she hears from the, the angel there, too. You know, even, even Elizabeth, your relative, who's really old, she's pregnant. So just, just so you know, Mary, just, uh, just to help you see this, nothing is impossible with God. Biologically, I get you, Mary, this is impossible. Realistically, nothing is impossible for God. You, you may even want to know, how in the world can we have mountains that reach that peak and, and valleys that go to there and, and oceans that only come this far and, and creatures that are created below the sea that we maybe we've not even seen yet and, and, and those that we've seen leave us in wonder. We're like, how can this be? And, and we may wonder, but I'll tell you this. There's nothing impossible with God. See, God is over biology. Amen? He's over science. He, he's not held and bound by the laws that we've created, but he created all the laws. So this is the creator, God. And he says to her, nothing, nothing, nothing's going to be impossible for me as he speaks into her heart. So we see that nothing's impossible. So Mary knew her limitations, but she, she did not, she at the time probably did not experience the gravity of God's work in the world, and now she sees that nothing is impossible for God. Now, I want to contrast that for you and me this morning with Zacharias. Zacharias, don't forget, as a man, he's in the temple. He's a priest. He's in the position where he should hear a word from God. Now, God's been silent for 400 years. From, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God hasn't spoken. It's 400 years' time frame passed by. So Zacharias, maybe he's just gotten into, and maybe you've been there before, kind of ordinary status quo, just doing life. And he's just going about just doing the service that he does. Didn't really expect to hear from God. Zacharias encounters an angel and the Word of God speaking to him. And I want you to see verse 18 of this same chapter of Luke. Verse 18 says, 
Zacharias said to the angel, after he had announced to him that they were going to have a child, he and Elizabeth were going to have a child, Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Listen to that. How will I know this for certain? In other words, Zacharias is saying, Prove it to me, God. How will I know this for certain? You've got to give me some proof. Prove it to me. And Mary's saying, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Provide it for me, God. And it's, there's a large difference between prove it to me, God, and you provide it, God. See, when we come to God and we lay our life and surrender before him, it's not for us to say, prove it to me, God. It's for us to say, you provide it, God. This is me. I'm here. You provide Whatever you want to do with me, God, it's, I'm giving you me. And that's the way, that's the way uh, Mary was. And uh, Zacharias, he, he was like, you've got to prove this one to me, God. I'm an old man and she's an old woman. How's that going to happen? So prove it. How will I know this for certain? How, how am I going to know this? And, well, the angel of the Lord said, let me show you how you're going to know this for certain. You won't say a word. <laughs> For nine months, you're going to get silent, and you'll have time to think about it and ponder this in your heart for nine months. So for nine months, Zacharias didn't speak until he proclaimed what the name of his son would be. When they, they wanted him to name, or they wanted the son to be named Zacharias after their father, after father Zacharias. It, no, 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 no. My son's name will be John, because that's what God told him is to name his son. So we see that, and um, he, he learned a lesson, I'm sure, no doubt. Better if we can learn the lesson without having to go through all of that. But we see, I want you to contrast Zacharias with how, how will I know this for certain to Mary's response. Verse 38 says this in chapter 1. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. I want to read that again. Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. In other words, Lord, I don't care about my plan. I'm not concerned about the future plans that I've made, the things I've pondered in my heart, thought about, dreamt about. I'm not worried about those things. May this be done to me according to your will. Lord, have your will and way in my life. Here I am, the bond slave. And I want us to grasp the concept here. In, in the culture in which Mary was living... Slaves would serve their master for a period of time, and then they would be released. Well, that slave could go on and do whatever it wanted to do. But a bond slave was a slave who had been freed, who returned to the master and said, I don't want to be free from you. I want to live for you. I want to serve you the rest of my life. That's a bond slave. So Mary's saying, you know, I am the bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, Paul said that many times. I'm, I'm a bond slave. I'm one who recognizes that I could be free, but in my free will to choose, I'm going to choose to be your servant for life. And not just, not just for life here, but for eternity. I want to be yours. So she surrendered her life completely when she said, the bond serve, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. In other words, I, I approve 100% of your plan. I have no idea what it looks like, how it's going to unfold, but I give you my life. This is my life. I give it to you. 
And we see that. And we also, if you read down in, uh, in the same chapter, chapter 1, verse 45, where she's, she's, Mary is visiting Elizabeth, and, and this is what is said by, by Elizabeth to Mary. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary's saying, you're, I mean, uh, Elizabeth's saying to Mary, you're blessed. Blessed be you because you believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken in your life. Can I tell you today, we can believe that there's going to be a fulfillment of what God's spoken about us. God loves us. God loves you. He's passionately pursued you in this life. And, and, and we can believe Him. Nothing's impossible for Him. He is a promise deliverer. There is no promise that God's ever made that He's not delivered on, except when He will return. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, out of the 3,000 promises that we can find in God's Word, all of them have been checked off. He's coming back. The question is, church, are you ready for Him? He's a promise deliverer. And, and God promises and, and Mary, Mary's being told by Elizabeth, blessed are you, for you, you, you beheld that promise, and, and you believed in it, and you've yielded your life to it, and now look at you. You're blessed. Well, you know, you and I understand that God looked down on this world, and he said, man, this is a broken world. They've chosen to turn their backs on me. And God had a choice. He could have just been done with us as humanity. But in his great love for you and his great love for me and all of mankind, God looked upon your life, though it is broken, though it is messed up, though you have missed the mark and I've missed the mark, God's looked at your life and he said, you're valuable because I created you in my own image. You bear my image. I created you. I love you. I created you. And you're worth redeeming. So he promised that he would send a redeemer, and he did. He sent Jesus. And we understand he delivered on that promise. And then, then he said, all that call upon the name of Jesus to be saved shall be saved. And he's a promise deliverer. Any person, any person, no matter where you've been, what you've done, if you, if you call upon the name of Jesus and say, Lord, not my will going forward. I want your will to be done in my life. I surrender my life to you, Lord. And you yield your life to Jesus, all that call upon him shall be saved. And not only that, you know, how many of you have, in living saved? Okay, let's just, I want to talk to those that are living saved today. You, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. You, you know that he is Lord of your life. How many of you in that position today have disappointed God and disappointed yourself and sinned? Let me be the first to raise my hand. Well, let me tell you another promise he gave us. 1 John 1, 9. If we, when we sin, we can call on Him and ask Him to forgive us of our sin. And He is faithful and righteous to forgive us. What an amazing promise that is. I find myself wanting. I find myself in need. I find myself having fallen short of God's glory. But I find Him to be an amazing Savior and Redeemer. And a lover of me. And he loves you. And the reality is we look at Mary's life and we see Mary's just a common, ordinary girl. Let's don't raise her above what she was. She was a girl from Nazareth. She was just living her life. But she responded rightly to God's call. 
And she didn't understand how everything was going to work out, but she yielded her life to God and how blessed she was for doing that. You make a decision today. God's calling you. God, God, God longs for you to walk closer to Him. You may be sitting here today and you say, you know what, I've played religion all my life. I've been to church. I, I, I know the right thing to do. I know the Sunday school answers. But in truth, me and God, just us, we know that I'm not his bond slave. We know that I've never truly surrendered my life. We know that I've not asked him to be my Lord. I've wanted to be my own Lord. And today I want to get that right. I want to make him Lord of my life. Be here today and say, I've made him Lord of my life, Scott. Pastor, he, he's, he's Lord, but I'll tell you, I've I missed the mark. I've tried to hold things myself. I've tried to do it my way. I need to surrender. I need to not be like a Zacharias and say, prove it to me, God. But I need to be more of a man or a woman that will say, here I am, Lord. You provide the rest of the story. You got me. I don't know where you are this morning. I want you to recognize Mary was a common old girl with a very special call and a gift on her life. She yielded her life to to the Lord and Jesus became her son and her redeemer. He died on the cross for her. And she witnessed it. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Have you yielded your life to Him? If not, what are you waiting on? The Savior of the Lord's made some promises. He loves you. You're ordinary and common. And he reached, he's reaching out to you. He wants a special relationship with you today. Not tomorrow, not next week. Your life lived apart from him is not worth it. Like the angel said, God will be with you. We can do great things when God is with us. We can do nothing apart from God to bring him glory. Nothing's impossible for God. He's reaching out today to cross the line for your heart. Will you turn to Him today? If you've been turned to Him, but you've just not been where you need to be, what will you do today to get where you need to be with Jesus? The Savior of the world humbled Himself and came to this world for you and for me. How will we respond? Stand with me. I'm going to pray. We'll have a time of invitation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your time. Pastors are going to be up front. We're here for you. We'd love for you to make a commitment today and make that public, and that's what this time is about. It's also an opportunity for you to come and pray at the altar, whether you've got something on your heart in your life or whether you've got a friend or family member and, and you just want to pray for them. It's your time to respond to God who stepped out of heaven for you. So let's do that together. Father, we love you and thank you. Move in our hearts. Let us boldly move for you, Jesus. Lord, don't let us leave here having pushed back that opportunity, having shied away from the moment, but boldly, Lord, give us the boldness we need to, to rise and move for you. Today is the day of salvation, you tell us. Let's not wait another day. Move in our hearts. Lead us to be all you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for Mary. Thank you for letting us understand a little more about her. Now apply that to us. As only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You move as God leads. We're going to sing. 
It's your time, church. chorus one more time with just the piano playing lightly uh, as we got one finishing up with some praying down here and sing. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me Please pray with me. Father in heaven, most gracious, most merciful Father, 
We know that every good and perfect gift comes from you, that you are the, the creator and maker of everything, that you knew us before we were born. We thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you for the forgiveness that you've given us and salvation through Jesus. We thank you for the abundant gifts that you've given us. We know that we are greatly blessed. We pray that uh, these tithes and offerings we return are multiplied for your kingdom. And we pray that you forgive us when we fail you. Uh, For we are thankful now that uh, you sent Jesus to be our salvation and a redeemer. We pray in his name. Amen. When I first came, I thought it was capable for the task. There were so many different things that I had to die to and realize I had no power to do these things. I'm just asking God to do for them what I cannot do. Show yourself to your people. Show up. We wanted to go to where there was lostness, northern Mozambique and coast. The centuries of Islam that were there, witchcraft. My first thought is, what have I done? How am I going to be affected? This is the beginning of a battle. We came in 2004. With my one-year-old firstborn. All of our kids come and minister together with us. Children open the door to build those relationships with the women, how to share their faith, how to reach out to their families, where it was much more close to the gospel. But there is a sacrifice involved. Witchcraft in this culture is what sustains their life. Who you marry, your health, whether or not you catch fish. Infant mortality rate is high. They live in fear of something happening to their children. When people come to Christ, for them it is a life and death decision. Is this worth my life? Adelina was a very well-known wish doctor. After about a year and a half, we're getting ready to pray. Adelina just says, I want to get rid of my witchcraft and take down the wish doctor hut. So Sunday afternoon, after church... When that wall fell down, it was just a complete release to God. I no longer need to be afraid of these things. Our work in the local village has spread across the bay through the influence of of family members. They have made professions of faith. We're starting to see national believers go out as missionaries through persecution, through hard times. God has galvanized their faith far beyond anything that I could teach. Be still and know that I'm God. Adelina starts telling her story about how she has new life in Christ. God has been faithful to show himself in ways that I never would have expected him to show himself. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. That tide is turning and momentum is building that God's kingdom is coming to this coastline. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For giving. For giving. Thank you for your giving. The Lottie Moon offering. Toward Lottie Moon. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But most importantly, 
Due to your generosity, we've been able to share God's word with those around us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming to church in Riverside, California. Because you gave, I'm able to access remote areas of Central Asia and explain the gospel with people God is already drawing to himself. With your help, we are bringing light to the dark places among unreached people groups. Because of what you've given, it allows me to share this gospel with as many Central Asians as I can across London. Your giving allows our organization to provide need for refugees and to give them hope. Thank you for giving to the Lottieman Christmas Offering so that we can buy Bibles in Arabic that we use with our Discovery Bible Study with non-believers. Because of your generosity, African women are hearing stories from God's Word while henna is being drawn on their hands and arms. And because of your giving, the life changes that we see through faith in Jesus Christ, that happens because of your gifts. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and helping to provide this wonderful water filter here in Northern Thailand. Your giving allows me to continue with my medical license here in Ghana, where I can not only do surgeries, but also the patients have the opportunity to hear the gospel. So thank you. Because of your giving, I'm able to speak to these thousand kids every Wednesday morning. Thank you. Thank you, First Baptist Church. Thank you, Faith Promise Church. Thank you, Faith Promise Church. Thank you for giving to Thank you and God bless you.